Tension punters, we have exciting news. Yes, we do. We are now on Dabble. Dabble is an Aussie-owned bookie that is absolutely changing the game of gambling. Any bets that we mention in this podcast, you can use their unique system of the copy bet feature to put the bet on yourselves with no time wasted. That's exactly right, Nico. We do the research for you, punters. We build the multis, and with the press of a single button, you can put our bets straight on. It's that easy. So you can go on the Dabble app and follow us at the Mock Sports and start winning with us this sporting season. Click the link in the show notes when signing up. Use the code the Mock Sports to let them know that we sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mock Sports presents Fair Bump Play On our AFL podcast. My name, as always, Mitchell Cashmore, joined by Nick Holland. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Pretty good week of footy coming up, so it's gonna be it's gonna be good to watch and experience over the Anzac Day long weekend. Yeah, that's for sure. Before we go any further, though, some serious business to attend to. Uh, I would like to give my formal apologies to you. After last week, I uh, basically tore down your punting abilities and criticised you heavily for putting Rory Laird to kick a goal in one of our multis, and that was the only leg that lost. And I said, when was the last time Rory Laird kicked a goal? And you defended yourself, and I, but I was still pretty adamant that it was a dumb bet, and then he's come out in the last round and kicked a goal. So I apologise, Nick. I, I apologise from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, don't question me. <laughs> oh, well, like, to be fair, who saw Rory Laird kicking a goal coming? <laughs> like, Which one do you want, mate? Do you want... Yeah, you, you apologising or you, you want to you argue this further? Okay, I'll, I'll apologise. You are, you, you know your footy. Let's just say that. I, I'll admit, you know your footy. I can't judge you. But talk about our punting. Gee, we had a lot of one-leg losses, eh? Yeah, it was a bit annoying. But uh, some good wins in there. Um, but yeah, yeah, hopefully it'll be better this week. Yeah, that's for sure. A couple of goal kickers I know I won't be going near again. We'll discuss that later, though, in the round review. Um... Another thing that I want to touch on quickly, I believe it was announced last week as we were recording the podcast, but Gillen McLaughlin going to be stepping down as the AFL CEO. It's pretty big, eh? Yeah, it's a big call from, from Gil. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in next and what they, what they try and bring to the table to make the game better than it is. Uh, yeah, on that note, I just wanted to ask you if you were in the chair, if you if you know if the AFL called you up out of nowhere and said Nick Highland, you're the man for us. We're going to bring you in and be the CEO. First day on the job, what would you fix? What would you bring in? And what would you get rid of? How would you shake up the AFL if you were the CEO? Um, I'd probably probably bring in. Um, well, I don't know if it's you'd say if it's a bring in or a take away, but um take away the the prices at the at the stadium so i think it's pretty ridiculous they've they've brought down the um tickets i think they they're pretty cheap now i think they're 30 dollars tickets something like that so that's that's a good thing but the the ground expenses are, are just terrible so if the afl can help in any way with that i feel like long term it's um they're better off making some more money um getting more people down to the game they'd probably end up spending more money on drinks if they're more affordable because they'd buy an extra seven or eight. Like they're already watered down drinks and they're already half drinks. Like charging ten dollars for a beer is ridiculous. So 
um, that could be a lot more affordable, and I think that'll be beneficial to the to the culture of coming down to the games and bringing it. Because at the moment, um, people are like, oh, it's too expensive to go to the footy. That's um, one thing I'd change straight away. How about you, mate? Uh, well, one thing I'd bring in first day on the job, I think um, I'd really set out a roadmap for expansion. I think you know it's pretty much a well-known secret now that. Tasmania will 99% chance be the next team to come into the league, making it the league 19 teams. But my priority would be making it a third, um, by 2030, a 20-league, 20 20-team 20 league, sorry. Because I think that, you know, having 19 teams just doesn't make sense. Having one team sit out every week where you could have bring in another team and uh, have a 10th game every week, the broadcast rights would go through the roof. That extra game, I think, I've done a little bit of research into it, that extra game a week brings in millions and millions of dollars of revenue a year just through broadcast rights alone, let alone the memberships for the um, the new clubs, the uh, ticket sales for that extra game a week. I think that's definitely something that I'd be looking at. So Tasmania is Team 19, and then you'd have to look elsewhere for Team number 20, maybe something that we could discuss later on when... Uh, the Tasmania meeting happens where we'd expand for the 20th team, Nico. Uh, and one thing that I'd get rid of, personally, business-wise, uh, I'd be taking a pay cut. Because Gillan McLaughlin, the last time his uh, salary was made public, it stood at $1.74 million a year. And I know he's he runs probably one of the biggest businesses in Australia when it comes to the AFL, but that's too much for my mind. Considering that the top-paid player in the game... Buddy Franklin is on 1.5 a year. Gill shouldn't be making more than the players that, you know, generate the money for him. So, I don't know. The players, on average, make 259k a year. So, if you're an average Joe Blow AFL player on a list, you're making, apparently, according to the numbers, 259k a year. I think that should be at least 300k a year, personally, for the for what they put their bodies through and the fact that they're generating the money. And like I said, Buddy on 1.5, he's one of four players that are over a mil. And the others being Jeremy McGovern on 1.25 for the West Coast Eagles, Dustin Martin for Tigers on 1.2, and Nat Fife on 1.1. So I think, honestly, if you get all the executives to take a pay cut, they won't like it. But more money gets to go back to the players, who are the ones that are actually generating those money that are going into the uh, executive pockets, you know. So... The sooner players like Bailey Smith, Sam Walsh, and Andrew Brayshaw are on a million plus a year, the better, because they're the future of the game, and they're the ones that need to be taken care of, not the executives. Thoughts, Nick? Oh, I think you're wrong. Like, well, what would that do? Just gives the players more money. Like, that's all. It's not like there's no argument for that. Like, oh, we've got to take care of them, otherwise they'll leave the game. They're not going anywhere. Like, oh, I'm not saying that they're going to leave the game, but I think they should be they should be compensated more for what they do. I think that, honestly, um, I've done research into this. In, in all the major sporting leagues around the world, only one other head figure I've found takes more than their top player, and that's in the NFL. The NFL head honcho makes like 60-plus million a year compared to a top player who are on, is on about 50, I think, a year. Like, you go to the NBA, the NBA guy... President, he earns about ten million a year, whereas Steph Curry, the highest paid player, earns about forty-five million a year. The EPL boss, I don't even think think makes a million plus a year, whereas we all know how 
rich the EPL players are. And I know that, you know, different comparison, they make a lot more money over in America and the UK when it comes to sport. But personally, I don't think the president of the league should be on more than the highest earning player because they're the ones generating the money. They should be the ones that see that money in their pocket, not the executives. Uh, I, I think you, it's one of the things, uh, I don't know, it wouldn't be something that I think needs to be changed first. When we say, bring up the argument, you, and there's definitely more than just NFL. UFC, Dana White makes more money than almost every single fighter in the UFC. Pro- oh, true, I didn't look into the UFC. Um, uh, I'd still say, yeah, you're saying EPL president gets $1 million. I reckon it'd be close to $25 million. Well, uh, apparently he makes his salary is less than one million, but he gets more in bonuses. He gets it yeah. all through bonuses, apparently. But the sal- the base salary is lower than the top players, and I, I think ch- that that should be yeah. the same for the AFL. Take your argument in if um the president takes a pay cut to put money into the game, but to give it to the players, I just I see that as no, that doesn't move the game forward at all. Like it's just it I I don't think it moves the game forward at all. Okay, well, like, where would you put the money if they take a pay cut? Well, you put it into more beneficial things. Like you said, bring in, other, bring in the expansion of the teams, um, bring in a new stadium down um, in Adelaide, give Port Adelaide a better stadium because that's an argument in itself. They play all their away, like home games and away games at the same oval. Like, I don't know. It just can be used a bit better um, than give millions of dollars away to the players. Like, yeah... They probably deserve a bit more money, but I don't think it's something that needs to be brought in. Like you're saying, two things straight away, you change. You take a pay cut straight away, so Baz Lenker can get his get a couple more hundred thousand. I think that's I think that's stupid. It doesn't move the game anywhere. Oh, well, you make a good point. For the money to be going to things such as stadiums and expansion, it's definitely a good point. Like you said, maybe giving Port Adelaide their own stadium, building that. St- brand new stadium in Tasmania that needs to be built and it looks very very good the one that they're planning to build down in Tasmania so I mean that is a good point I didn't really consider that my priority when making that point was the players but you do make a good point in saying that there are other areas that the money should be going to I just think that um, with the game the way it is there's like you can spend a bit more money on junior roots football and places outside of Victoria, bring more, like, put aside, what, $5 million, what it is, into your your junior AFL over in New South Wales, over in Queensland and stuff like that, and build the sport in different states as opposed, and that'll, that'll be a long-term investment that'll make so much money for the game instead of um, giving the current players a couple more hundred grand that... W- like it's not going to change anything with them. Like they already get so much money. They get more money with sponsorships and stuff. Like you got to consider that as well. Like they they won't be badly paid. Yeah, all right. You make you make great points there, Nick. I know. <laughs> Put us in the chair, okay? That's that's our pitch to the AFL to make us the uh, the CEOs of the AFL. But uh, from that, I guess we can move on and straight into the round review of round five, Nick. Too easy. All right, we head to Collingwood versus Brisbane. I think Collingwood got closer to Brisbane than I think we all thought. 
Uh, the end score ended up being, I think, was... 28-9. Yes. So, yeah. What were your thoughts? Oh, Danaher looks like he's just going to ride through for a Coleman here. He just seems to be on another level from everyone else, kicking three or four each game easily. Um, it was great to see with him. Uh, Dugowie, he's back and he's firing. 20 touches and, and four goals isn't too bad. But um, your biggest improved player for Collingwood is definitely Josh Dacos. Um, he, he set the tone a little bit more um, than he had at any other time. Crisp is stepping up as well. Like, you got you got good players, don't get me wrong. Um, Crisp's, Crisp had 36 touches, um, which is amazing for a, for a halfback. I'm pretty sure he's playing in the halfback the last time I checked. Lockie Neal back to his best, obviously. 33 touches and a goal. Um, Nick Dacos, obviously, we know how good that boy is. And, um, yeah, it's just going to get better. But I, I really do see some potential in the future of Collingwood, to be honest. They've got a pretty pretty young side. It's not it's not old, but they've got a good mixture. Um, I'd just like to see the players like probably Hoskin Elliott and um, Maynard and stuff like that really stepping up. But um, Grundy, he's, he's another one there. Like he's, he's just not the same as he used to be. I'd really like to see him get amongst the game and get back to how he was two or three years ago when he was in his in his prime because when he's on he's he's a fantastic footballer to watch so um overall it's a pretty good game and um some good young prospects in both teams to watch out for in the future yeah fair enough i think you're right there with grundy when i was researching the contracts as we discussed earlier he's on 9.75 he's the fifth highest player paid player in the game and Considering, you know, like you said, three years ago, yeah, fair enough. But now he really needs to start stepping up to get back to that point and Collingwood need it because he'll be the difference maker in games like these. Um, uh, Like you touched on, Jordan Degoe, he's a freak. I don't like him personally because of all of the uh, off-field drama, but you can't deny how good he is at football. Um, cause an upset here. Watching the game, they looked really, really good. Except for the fact they selected far too tall of a team. Their forward 50 was clogged up by Kruger, Cameron and Cox. All mammoth blokes that good in their own right, but they shouldn't all be in the same forward 50. There's nobody to crumb when you've got all of them going up for the same contests. You know, and without Brody Majacek um, last game, they had no one to crumb and it cost them in the end. Uh, that's why Brisbane were able to rebound so easily because they were able to get get the ball to ground, a couple of handballs out the back and a clearing kick through Daniel Rich, and they were off. Um, only other point I have is that Lions, geez, they will go deep in finals again this year. It's just how deep is the question. Do they choke once they get to finals or do they finally weather the storm and get to the big dance? That's the only question, really. Yeah, fair enough. We'll move on. Uh, Bulldogs North. Um... Yeah, boring game this. It's just, you don't like to see it. Um, yep, it's, a, it's become a tradition. Good Friday, Bulldogs smacking North Melbourne. Um, and, geez, Cody Waitman, five goals, four of them coming in the first quarter. Uh Norton also snagged five. It, you know, it's normally Josh Bruce kicking 10 on them every year, but the Dogs certainly are got back to their goal-kicking ways and shared them around a bit more. Smith got leather poisoning, had like 43 touches, freakish. And, I mean, North were looking pretty good there for a period. Then Aaron Hall did their did his hammy, which is sad to see. But, yeah, I just think it was 
Another bad showing for North Melbourne, and they've got to do some work, otherwise it's going to be another wooden spoon this year. I wouldn't be saying that Bulldogs are back to their best yet, because it was North Melbourne, so I'm not fully confident on them yet, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, boring game. There's not really much else to touch on it. Uh, get straight into the Swans game. Um, same thing here. Pretty pretty boring game. Um, Swans absolutely dominating this one. Um, Errol, 27 touches. Great player, him. Mills, boy, all, all, always thereabouts. Um, but yeah, no one from West Coast stood up at all. I think their best player, in my opinion, was probably um, Alex Witherden. But other than that, no one really stood out. Like without Nat Nui, without Gaff, um, there was no one really driving the midfield. Like I'd like to see Kelly get a bit more involved. Yeah, uh, Elliot Yeo getting a bit more involved. Those two really need to step up in the midfield, and they really didn't. So uh, it's not great to see. But um, I tell you what, Isaac Heaney is a great footballer, isn't he? He's um, a bit of a smoky for for Brownlow, I'd say, because I reckon he's been polling in pretty much every game the Swans have played this season. So. Um, and I haven't even looked at it that much, but um, let me let me have a quick look at the live bet. What did you think on the game, mate? Uh, well, just quickly, in our Brownlow predictor, we've got him sitting in the top 10 currently at five votes. Um, so, yeah, he's only one game off the top, uh, according to our predictor. But, yeah, great footballer. Uh, another one, Luke Parker. Gee, the, I'll say it again. The move to head down front instead of the playing out of the middle and only rotating on ball, but playing out of that half-forward um, spot in the absence of Tom Papley has been a coaching master stroke. He's, he was always a good player, and he's gotten even better now in the new role. It's just scary to see, and you know you should be wary of him. If you're a half-back and you've got to play on him because he's going to run all over you. And as I touched on it last week, uh, West Coast, they're, they're no good. They need a full rebuild. Coach, I don't reckon, will last until next year, I think he'll get the sack in the off-season. And I'm not blaming injuries. I'm not blaming COVID. I just think that the the club in general needs a bit of a rebuild from top to bottom. They're ageing. They need a few years to go back, settle, reassess, bring in a whole new coaching staff and bring in a whole new game plan because they seem to be stuck in uh, 2017 when they won the uh, grand final. It was 2017, wasn't it? Maybe it's 2018, whichever one it was, I think. The game plan hasn't evolved enough in the last few years to justify keeping the same old people around. So, yeah, I think that's basically it. West Coast need a big change in the next year if they're going to be getting back to playing finals. Uh, yeah. What did you find with that live bet? Um, he's paying $18 for the Brando. So it's not, not too bad of a bet, I'd say. But um, you've got some players that are... Petrarca is going to be hard to stop up there. He's just a he's just a tank. But um, we'll move on. Um, next game, who have we got? Saints and Gold Coast. Saints keep rolling on, but Gold Coast were admirable in my opinion. They only kept it to twenty six points, which was pretty good considering they were down by much more at a point. Both teams should take a lot of confidence out of it. Won't be surprised if the next time they face each other, they'll be playing off for a final spot. Those teams have just come. So far in the last 12 months, I think they've developed really well and they're playing great football and they've, they're, you know, they're two teams that traditionally don't have a lot of confidence around them because they never really go into any game with momentum and now they've got momentum behind them. So it's up to them to see how far they can take it. Yeah, fair enough. A um, couple of things I took out of the game. I just think 
Matty Real just needs to get a bit more a bit more involved. Um he's a well he's a classy player, don't get me wrong, but he's gotta take his games to the next level. You've seen Walsh being at pretty much the same point as him. He's in it's his third year in the club. Um he really needs to have a breakout season because at the moment he's just sitting there about he's he's not a rookie anymore. We've got to remember he's play, he's been in the game for three years. He's a third year player. He should be starting to get into the, a bit more of it. And then um it's what separated Sam Walsh from the rest of them, I guess. Um I know they weren't the same draft year, but um at a third year player, Walsh absolutely tore up and so far, Matty Rao getting there but he just needs to take his games to the next level because Noah, even Noah Anderson's playing better footy than him and um, in my opinion Matty Rao's a much better football player than him so um, you need to see him step up a bit more that was probably the biggest thing for me But um, would, do you still think the injury excuse stands or do you think you, you can't rely on that anymore with him? You can't rely on it like well he's been back for what six rounds like if you're, if you're injured just Take a rest, mate. Like, you're not proving anything to anyone by playing. You're not looking tougher because you're playing. You might as well stop, get fit, and then come back into it when you're fully fit and play some good football as opposed to just trotting along and ruining your reputation. Like, that's my opinion. Oh, big call, but I, I back you in with that. Like, I mean, if he's if he is 100% fit and only he will know if he's 100% fit, he needs to go in there, you know, head over it 100% barrel in their body line that football as he used to maybe his confidence is shaken but you know if his body's right if everyone's telling him his body's right he feels within himself his body's right there is no real excuses you said not to really get back in there like he used to yeah 100 percent. we'll get into the next one adelaide richmond bit of an upset here for adelaide i thought um didn't didn't expect it um good game though so Keys had 31 touches. Brody Smith really stood up here. He's uh, in the back line with 28 touches. Um, but Tex Walker, geez, he's a good football player. Five goals, 16 touches. Uh, it was just that was probably one of the better performances I've seen from him. Just back to that start of um year form last year that he that he's back into, and he, he'll get pretty close to the Coleman as well. I'd say if he if he played the first couple of rounds, he'd be thereabouts. But um. I really like him as a football player. I understand he made a couple of mistakes last year, but oh, I just love watching this guy play football. The way he kicks through a ball, it looks, it just looks so easy for him. Um, it's great to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, I like to see Adelaide get up here. I did tip them, and you're right. Taylor Walker, simply the best forward in the league, not named Lance Franklin. He's proven that with the new way of footy, the, the, you know, the whole stand rule has completely come into... It's, it's, it's falling into his lap. He, he loves it. He just being able to run on the arc every single time without risk of being tackled or interfered by someone else because they'll give away a 50 metres. He just runs around them, gets on the big boot and slots them every time. He can consistently kicks bag, kick bags of goals a game and he did it again on the weekend like you mentioned. Like He's just... He is a complete footballer and he's had a... Like you said, he had made a couple of mistakes personally last year but on the field... He's had a complete career renaissance since this new stand rule has come in and the game's changed and the whole flow of the game has evolved. He's completely into his own. And like you said, if he played the first few rounds, he'd be a shoe-in for the Coleman. He'll go close if he stays healthy. Uh, sad to see Sloan do his ACL. He's out for the year. But even sadder, in my opinion, to see Trent Cochin try and take out Walker's ACL. 
dog move by a, normally a champion bloke just shows what desperation can do to a man. I just think it was pretty disgusting for him to do such a thing. Um, you know, you're just playing footy. No need to try and stick your boot out and dead leg him in the back and take out his knee. It's just not something that you want to see, especially not from a man like Trent Cochin. That's something that you'd probably see out of a bloke like Toby Green, if anyone. Like, it was just a bit of a weird one, a bit of a brain fade. What do you think of it? Oh, I think Tess covered it pretty well. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not a don't have any bias towards any any of these players, but you look at the Toby if Toby Green did that or if Tex at the moment did that, they'd be out for three or four weeks. Like yes. it's, it's that's what's wrong with the system at the moment, that they need to really straighten it out and get rid of the um Yeah, I think it covers it the best. It's just they've got to be consistent with the players. Because like even the um even the the hit from um Brisbane onto the one of the Carlton players yeah play, Gardner onto onto Dacos that was horrible oh yeah Colin, yeah that that was that was ridiculous that was worse than Paddy Riders in my opinion so um I just don't understand where they're coming at with that kind of thing and then there was a couple of other things that we should have covered earlier as well in the. Uh, actually, it's coming up. We'll have a chat about it in a second, actually. Um, but yeah, there's just they've got to be a bit more consistent about it. But um, let's move on. We'll get to Melbourne GWS. Um, look, I got nothing to say about this game. Yeah, you can look. skip this game except for the fact that Melbourne. Who's going to beat them? Just about nobody. They're just they. Nobody's going to be able to touch them for a while, and that's all you can really say. If GW a full strength GWS can't come close to them, who is? Yeah, hundred percent. All right, Carlton Port Adelaide. Wow, great game in the end. Um, Port are very close to a win, I reckon, and they're they're looking they're looking a bit better. Charlie Kernow on top, five goals, absolute great player. But um, him linking up with Harry Harry Mackay up there is is awesome. But um, George Hewitt, wow, what a pickup for the uh, Carlton Blues. Um, you always hear these things like, oh, the Swans should have let these players go, like this this team should have let this player go, but. I think I think Hewitt, if he stayed at Sydney, he probably would have kept the potential he had over there. He wasn't really the the kind of football the Swans play was never the same type of football where he'd be able to rack up disposals like you watch it. Like Callum Mills will top the disposals with 28, 28 disposals for for the Swans. They're not really high touch players. They're um, a bit more stop start, kick the ball, less handballs kind of thing. But um, geez, Hewitt's find some find some footy at the moment. Thirty three touches, um, yeah, he's been a good pickup. And then Chera as well, um, he's a bit hit and miss. But when when he's needed at the moment, he's he's playing some good footy. So yeah, that's um that's the big ones for me. The big pickups for Carlton have um really worked out for them. Zach Williams as well, also getting back to what he what he was back at um. That's great to see. Um, other than that, Doherty. He could be a little bit better. Kennedy, probably one of his worser games in my opinion. Um, but yeah, overall, pretty good side this um, this Carlton side. But I'd like to see a couple more players really step up for them to do a little bit better. Like you got Nick Newman, who's a great player that can step up a little bit more. Um, like I said, Adam Side, he, he used to be a freak, and to be honest, you don't even see much of him anymore. Um, so. I think think they need to go back and work on that. But other than that, they've got a pretty good side. Port Adelaide, um, you've got Zach Butters, who's just insane at the moment. 
Burton, who's just had a bit of a one-off game, I'd say. Um, not he's not really that good of a football player. Um, Houston's pretty good. Rosie's coming coming back and playing really good football. To have a bigger game. If he had a bigger game, I feel like Port Adelaide would have won. So that's the difference for me. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Port Adelaide would have gotten over them if Aaliyah was able to shut down Harry Mackay, which he just wasn't able to do um, whatsoever. Carlton, respect to them. They still can't run out of second half, which is why then they won't go anywhere near the Premiership this year. Their finals, yes. Premiership, no, because they can't run out of second half. It's happened multiple times this year now that they've dominated the first half and then they've almost lost it in the second. Happened with the Bulldogs, happened with Hawthorne, and now it's happened with Port Adelaide. So they need to fix that up. Sam Walsh, 16 touches at 75% efficiency in the uh, first quarter alone. Freakish. Some players don't even get that in a game, let alone in the first 20 minutes of the game. I believe he had 10 within the first eight. So... Blokes freak. We all know what that kid can do. But Cashy's big call of the week, Ken Hinckley to be sacked within the next six weeks. The only reason why he wasn't sacked on Sunday, the day after the game, was, oh, sorry, um, on Monday, the day after the game on Sunday, was Carlton's inability to run out that second half because it, the first half was embarrassing. Last week was embarrassing. And at this point, I don't think it's the players because apart from Wines and Charlie Dixon, they've got a full-strength squad. So... At a certain point, you've got to start looking elsewhere. And the coaching plans have been really, really bad. Last uh, week, you had Georgiades and I always forget their other key forward that they have without Dixon. Georgiades and their other... You know, Todd Marshall. You had Georgiades and Todd Marshall playing out of the pockets and you had six foot one Sam Mays playing at full forward against Stephen May. Uh, we didn't touch on that last week, but that was terrible. That is terrible coaching plan. Why would you do that? one of the best defenders in the league against a very inexperienced Sam Mays. Then this week, you had, almost for a period of that game, same thing, but Robbie Gray playing out of the square. Oh, what? What's going on? What? Why would you have moves such as that? Like, I mean, you know, you had players like Amon. He had a to- um, you know, quiet game, to be fair. But you had him starting on the bench, like when he's your more experienced winger, you know. Bergman's been pretty decent. Butters, of course, has been great. They normally have a go out on the wing. But to start, you know, you'd think you'd have Amon starting on the field. There's just there's just some things at Port Adelaide that clearly are going wrong behind the scenes. Rumours are starting to come out that the players basically don't want to play for Ken Hinckley, and that's why their season's gone to shit, because they're not motivated to play for him. But he's been there for long enough anyway. So, yeah, Cashy's big call of the week. I think he's going to get the sack within the next six weeks. Fair enough. Uh, we'll move on to Frio Essendon. Gee, Frio are going this good without Fife. Personally, I think Fife's always been overrated, but still to be doing stuff like this without one of the, you know, on paper best players in the game, it's it's unreal. You know, you've they've found a great replacement in the form of Andrew Brayshaw. He's a freak. He had over 30 touches, a goal behind, plenty of tackles as well. I mean, they ran all over Essendon on their home deck as well. So, what were your thoughts? Yeah, well, what was it? Tabernacle with seven. That's that's speaks yeah. for itself, I guess. Um, I think I read it was the first Fremantle player since Matthew Pavlich to kick more than seven, six goals or something like that. 
So, um, yeah, great stat to have. But, yeah, playing good for Emmanuel. Um, I thought Essen probably could have played a bit better. Um, obviously, I tipped them. But, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll move on to the last one. Um, I really like this game. Um, Hawthorne, Cats. Hawthorne up by 12 in the end. Um, Tom Mitchell dominated this game. Um, 33 touches, just and a goal, like, so good. Same, um, Jai Newcomb, um, what was he, rookie draft last year? Got picked up? Yeah, mid-season rookie draft. He was playing VFL this time last year and not even on an AFL list as well, I think. He was yeah. upgraded onto the AFL list during the mid-season draft. 31 touches, 19 of them being kicks and three tackles. Brilliant player, him. He's going to be a good player if he can stay in the side. Um, but, yeah, it was just... Uh, Good, good um performance from the forwards over at over at Hawthorne. You got more that kick four, Gunston the old oldie kicking three, Lewis kicking three, Bruce kicking two. Um, they just really stepped up there. But um, yeah, Ge- Geelong just choked. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on that I said I'd wait till we get up to it. Um, geez, the game's changing when you see Tom Mitchell and another player look up at the scoreboard and complain and give away a fifty meter penalty. For pointing at the scoreboard, uh, that's that's the thing that's just ruining the game. I reckon stuff like that. Terrible. It's it's. I hate seeing it to be honest. And that that's that was my biggest disappointment out of that game. Like it really pissed me off to be honest. Yeah. If there's one quote from oh, anyone, from anyone that ever that that defines the 2022 uh, AFL season, it is hands out. That's fifty from the umpires. What even is that? That is the ruling that rang out this round and it saw about five fifties that shouldn't have been paid, paid. And according to Brad Scott, when they questioned him, uh, he's head of footy, uh, the ex-coach of North Melbourne, if you remember him, when they questioned him about it, he said, nah, they were bang on. They should have been paid. And there were five more during the round that they missed. What even is that? You're, you're exactly right, Nick, when you say that it's going to shit. Because, you know, fair enough, if there's umpire abuse and they're fully, like, yelling at them and they're going off at them, and like, that, that's always been 50, fair enough. But just throwing your arms up in frustration, that's not umpire descent. Like, you're going to turn the players into robots, not being able to show one single bit of emotion. And you've seen that. If you go back and watch some of the games, every time that there's a contentious call, you see players get up and about and then go, oh, shit, no, I can't, and put their hands down because there's going to be a 50 given away for nothing. Like like you said, Tom Mitchell didn't even say anything. He just threw his hands up in the air and pointed at the scoreboard and, nah, 50 metres, about a minute after the mark and free kick had already been given anyway, he was marched on down to the goal square to kick an easy goal. What is that? That is terrible. That is just not the AFL that we've come to know and love. And it's it needs to be gotten rid of. It needs to either be getting rid of or it needs to be like fully, fully uh, brought under review and adjudicated consistently. Because if they're saying that there were five more out there that should have been paid, that's pretty inconsistent to me. So that's five that has been paid correctly, five that hasn't been paid incorrectly. That's so basically what? It's a 50-50 chance. If you throw your arms up in the air, you're going to get a 50 paid against you. That needs to change. Yeah, 100%. Um. Only other thing from that game, I just thought, you know, the old cats got outrun by the young gun Hawthorne team. Um, 
I'll pose a question to you. Patrick Dangerfield, is he finally starting to slow down with age? Because he didn't really make yeah. any sort of impact whatsoever. I, I'd say that happened last year, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, my, my opinion here is you, you've done it again, Cash. You, you say two different things and you claim, uh, what, what's this? The, the young guns go over the old ones. Every single podcast so far, you've been like, yeah, um, you can't train inexperience. Old always goes over inexperience. And then now you're like, yeah, yeah, the young guns run over the oldies. Which no, one do you no, want? No, 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 no. How many times have I said that inexperience doesn't make, a talent doesn't make up for inexperience. Young and hungry will get you a few big wins, but it doesn't win you premierships. That's what I've always said. While it will get you a I still don't think that they're going to play finals. I still don't think that they're going to do much with their season apart from a strong start. What happened to Adelaide a couple of years ago? They came out and beat Geelong first up and everyone thought, oh, here we go. And they went to shit again. It's happened many times. It will continue to happen. That's what I mean when I say, young, like, you know, young and hungry, good, we'll get you a few wins, won't win your premiership. Talent doesn't make up inexperience. That's what whenever whenever I say that from now on, punters, that's exactly what I mean. I'm saying it now. That's the definition of that saying from me. Does that uh, justify it, Nick? Justifies for me. Thank you very much. All right, okay. we'll get into this week's football round number six, mate. Yes, let's blitz through it, my friend. There was a lot to discuss last week, and there's a bit to discuss this week, but we can, I'm sure we can get through it quickly. Uh, Giants-St. Kilda on the Friday night. The, uh, a lot of different talking points coming out of this one, but the biggest one that we'll focus on is Toby Green is back. Yes, Toby Green being back into the side is going to be going to be huge here. So um, I reckon he's going to have a big game, two or three goals and about 20 touches in my opinion. So I'd like to see how he goes, but... um. Yeah, I reckon it'll be a good game, this one. There's always a good rivalry between these two teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm keen to see. I feel like Giants are hungry for a win. They're due for a win, and St Kilda are probably due for a loss, in my opinion. So, yeah, I reckon it'll be a good game. Um, yeah, you've said everything I've wanted to touch on, except for one thing. Apparently, I've just read uh, in an interview with the Saints coach, he's come out and said that... Sorry, not the Saints coach. Leon Cameron, the Giants coach. My bad. Um, he's come out and said that they don't intend on tagging Jack Steele from the bounce. They'll monitor it and then make the change at quarter time if they need to, but they're not sending Ash or DeBoer straight to him, which is good. It's an interesting move. Yeah, look, I, I never read into that because you never know what they're going to do. Like, what, like, he's not going to get his game plan up three days in advance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. Oh, well, we'll move on. Uh, on the Saturday, Dogs versus Adelaide. Like I said earlier, I'm not really still sold on the dogs. I think uh, they can sell me if they come out and play like them old selves here. Uh, Jackson McRae will be playing. He went off for a concussion test last game and passed. Um, JJ might play. He needs to go under a test, same as Lathan Vandermeer. Lockie Hunter is um, thoughts out to him because he's taking a leave of absence to deal with personal issues, just uh, the same as Dustin Martin is doing. So shout out to both of them. Hopefully they come back soon. And of course, Rory Sloan to be missing the year with that ruptured ACL. Um, apart from that, looking like not many changes going to be made to each team apart from those two that I mentioned with Hunter and Sloan. Um, what are your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, it's going to be a good game, this one. Um, lots of proof for both sides. 
Um, but yeah, there's not really much down back for me for for um for Western Bulldogs. I feel like that's where they really lack is um the experience down back is they don't really have anyone at the back like their Eastern Wood that they used to have um yeah. at the back, which really runs their defense. So when you got Tex Walker there, he's on fire. It's going to be hard for him to stop. Um, I'll probably tip him to kick four or five at least. Um. But I tell you now, just a special mention, one of your boys who's absolutely run the park right now, Tim English, just not getting enough recognition for what he's doing. Kicking one or two goals a game, dominating the ruck and getting 20 touches as a ruckman um, and not talked about giving, like, you don't hear about him being up there with Darcy, being up there with Gorm, being up there with Nat Nui, whoever it is. He's probably the most underrated ruckman in my opinion. In the uh, league. Well, yeah, sorry, go on. In in the league at the moment, I reckon he's probably the most underrated ruckman. Uh yeah. Sorry, I was I almost interrupted you there, but I'll admit he's fully turned around after last year. Most people were saying that he should get traded and they need to get rid of him because he was getting dominated every week in the ruck, and we didn't have a ruck going into that final series, having to take down the likes of Gorn, um, which we didn't in the end, as we all remember. But yeah. I will fully apologise to him. In the past, I've ripped him apart. But, yeah, he's he's fully improved, and I hope he continues with it because I always like to be proved wrong by these players that I um, criticise. And, yeah, he's looking the goods. But one thing I will say, Crows at $3.80, if you're putting a bet on, that's a bit overs in my mind. I think they could certainly pull up the upset here. I hope they don't. But at $3.80, you might want to chuck a five or a tenner on it. Uh, Port Adelaide West Coast. This one could be a snooze fest the way these two teams are playing. Uh, this, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Port Adelaide are probably due for a win here, like I said. Um, yeah, let's just skip over this one because I don't think there's too much to be said. I don't think, yeah, these two teams at the moment. Yeah. Yep. I don't have anything to say about it. This next yep. one, I reckon, is probably one of the games of the round. Yes. Fremantle-Carlton. Um, I reckon this will be an amazing game. I reckon the home crowd advantage is really going to help the, the Dockers here for a Saturday night game. I don't think they've had a Saturday night game in, in Yonks. So um, if, I don't know, it's it's going to be a good game, obviously. You've got Walsh, Brayshaw in there. Um, but I think it really comes down to Sean Darcy in this one. Um, he can absolutely dominate this and, and dominate the ruck like he usually does. Because I don't rate Pittenet in my opinion. I think he's pretty probably the most ordinary, one of the most ordinary um, ruckmans in the league. So um, I re- really reckon it's going to come down to Darcy. If he can really play good, I reckon he can take it. But to be honest, Carlton, they can't seem to string together too many games good in a row. And they never have been able to in the last couple of years. So you never know with them. And yeah, we'll, we'll see. What do you think? Uh, I think the make or break for this game is whether Patrick Cripps plays or not and whether he actually plays and is healthy. He says he is the Carlton, um, uh, what do you even call it, strength and conditioning team, the medical team. They say he isn't. They say he needs to go through a few more protocols before they actually sign off on playing him. But whether he actually goes out there and is at 100%, that'll determine the game, I think. Because if Patrick Cripps at 100%, um, you know, having Cripps, and Walsh in the midfield compared to, uh, I think, a Cripps and Walsh combination beats a Brayshaw and Sarong combination. But if Cripps doesn't play or Cripps plays and isn't at 100%, I think Dockers have all the power to get over here. But that's all I've really got to say. We move to Sunday, North Melbourne versus Geelong in down in Tassie. 
Thoughts, yeah. Nick? No, yeah, boring game. You um, want to skip it? Yeah, skip it. Yeah, but, skip it. Say. Uh, Gold Coast Brisbane, the Q Clash. One of the more fiery derbies that we have in the league. They do not like each other one bit, these two teams. Uh, I think this is going to be a really, really good game. Yeah, look, I don't know. It could be one or two things. A Brisbane blowout or it could be a close game. I don't see giant, I mean, um, the Suns dominating this one. Um, they just really need to find some a groove to get into Gold Coast because at the moment they're all on. In my opinion, they're on the back of um, they're on the back of Tuke Miller right now. Um, he's really setting the tone for them and absolutely dominating like he did at the end of last season. But I want to see those mid tier players really stand up. Um, Lukosius really needs to have some some string together some good games. I like to see Jarrett Witt. Get a bit more dominant in the ruck. He's a good football player. But, um, yeah, there's just a couple of players there that really need to step up. And then top eight contender, no doubt in my mind. They're, they're thereabouts right now. But um, if if we want them to win, they've got to get right amongst it. Yeah, fair enough. I think one thing that's going to be a big um, big thing going on this one is Mabio Chol, David Swallow, Jack Bowes, and Jack Lacocious all need to uh, have medical. make or break for them because Chol's been really good down forward for them. Chol and Casbolt, they've been a two-headed monster for Gold Coast. Um, and Jack Bowes, we all know how much of an influence he has down back. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's either going to be a Brisbane blowout or a uh, narrow victory. I don't see a blowout going Gold Coast's way either, but I will touch on that in the tips. Uh, Richmond-Melbourne at the MCG, always a great game. But, you know, without the likes of Dusty Martin in here, will it be the same sort of uh, the greatest show that normally always goes on with these two teams? Uh, who knows? Nick, what are your thoughts? Oh, I reckon this will be a really good game. Um, Anzac Day Eve, it's a close game, I reckon. Um, obviously, Richmond been thereabouts, but not nothing really too special, but Melbourne are just dominant. But um, I reckon Melbourne are due for a loss at some point, and I reckon Richmond are probably due for a win, so who knows? Um, it could be a close one. So, We'll head over into the, the Anzac Day games. Um, Swans versus Hawthorne over down in Tassie. Uh, this will be a good game, I reckon. Um, Swans, again, probably due for a loss. They win, won a couple in a row, but they seem to lose a couple ones that they should be winning. Um, and Hawthorne are playing some good football right now. So um, i like to see this one. Um, I reckon it'll be a pretty good game. We'll be watching from the pub, I assume. Um, and, yeah, anything you want to add to that one? Um, honestly, the, despite the fact that I really don't like that this is played on Anzac Day, I haven't liked the fact that they brought this in, um, a few years ago. I think Anzac Day should purely just be Essendon and Collingwood's day to shine. Will be a good day. Will be a good game. Um, these teams always put on good footy despite where they are ladder-wise. Um, Buddy Franklin a chance to suit up after he's recovered pretty quickly from that finger injury and if he does it's always great to see him go against the uh, the Hawks but yeah uh, we'll, I'll touch on who I think gets over the line in the tips but I really want to discuss Essendon Collingwood the traditional Anzac Day game the one that I believe should be the only Anzac Day game um, just going through the team lists uh, Stringer out, Snelling out, Stewart out, Merritt out and with Collingwood, they bring back Brody Majacek and they lose Jamie Elliott. 
Um, apart from that, their team goes relatively unchanged from the last few weeks. But yeah, Essendon certainly with a longer list of uh, injuries than Collingwood. So Collingwood to be coming in much fresher. Uh, what are your thoughts, Nick? Well, I reckon this is probably the one game a year. It doesn't matter who plays in this game. It doesn't matter who's on the list. Um, it's always going to be a close game, and either one of these teams can get up. So um, it's a bit of a dartboard throw here. Um, but yeah, who knows? I reckon this will be well, obviously be a great game. Anzac Day always is. Um, but yeah, I reckon there's not too much to look at with the list. It's um, whoever rocks up on the day and wants to play. Yeah, normally both teams bring their all. Again, it's one of those ones that uh, despite where they're sitting on the ladder, they always go close. You know, uh, Essendon uh, got dominated by Collingwood for a while, but they've brought it back to closer in the last few years. Um, yeah, the crowd, 100,000 strong, always packed to the brim. It wheels them on. It wheels them on, sorry. It's one of the best atmospheres in football, Anzac Day at the G. I can't wait to watch it. I always do. I'll be sitting down in the uh, TAB at the Carlingford Bowling Club, most likely, as I always am. And on an Anzac day, um, I'm sure you'll also be watching it at home with the family or whatever pub you decide to go to on Anzac day, Nick, and play a bit of two-up. But, uh, yeah, going to be a good game. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be pretty good to watch. Um, let's get our tips in, mate. Hey, Legends. Cashy here. Unfortunately, the recording of our tips... Uh, got cut off there, but uh, we will be posting up all of our tips on our Instagram at the Mock Sports. Make sure to keep your eyes peeled out for that and see if I can maintain my four-game lead over Nico. Uh, so yeah, keep your eyes on that. And other than that, enjoy a good week of footy and catch everything and us here again next week on Fair Bump Playoff.